0: What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads Podcast, hosted by none other than the two Raddest Dads on the East Coast. I am Sal this time. And I am Rob. And we have a special guest in studio today. We have Richard Letito from Dynamic Wealth Consultant. He is a guest that was on last year, and he's actually live in studio today. Welcome, Rich.
1: Hey, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Listen to that. The crowd is going wild, yes, Rich. They are. Because they know your capabilities. So, Rich, for those uh, who don't know who you are, why don't you uh, let our listeners uh, in on your background?
1: So, Richard Lotito, Dynamic Wealth Consulting. I have been a financial advisor for the past 20 years, only thing that I have done since graduating college. And I love it. I love sharing the knowledge that I have with my clients and helping them achieve their financial goals.
0: Yes. I can attest to that because Richard Lotito is my financial advisor. And you know what? He forgets to mention that he's a fiduciary.
1: I am a fiduciary, which is uh, someone that puts their clients' interest first and foremost opposing to the advisor's interest.
0: That's not to be mistaken for a douche. He's a
2: fiduciary. A fiduciary. When we recorded this the first time, you could hear him emphasizing the douche part a lot, a lot stronger. This time he was more mellow on it. <laughs> That's only your ears, Rob. <laughs> so we brought
0: Rich on um, again this year uh, because it is the beginning of the year, and I think it's a great time to talk about uh, getting your shit straight—not only personal life, but you know, finances. So uh, Rich can give us some good um, insight as to where. We should start. So, Rich, where should someone start uh, with their monies? Budgeting, investing, or, you know, how to make sure you don't lose your shit?
1: Yeah. So, really, it, it just comes down to what you bring in versus what you spend.
0: Right. So, wait, wait, hold on. So, you can't spend more than you make? <clears throat> no, we're not the federal government.
1: <laughs> so, so, Rich, what, what, what should people do? So people should look at what they bring uh, home from their work, uh, their their job, and look at what they're spending their money on and making sure that there's a, a positive difference that they're able to take that amount and save it on a monthly basis into something that they have access to. So we don't want to put all of our money into a retirement program that we can't access in case of an emergency, but we want to put some money into a bank account and an investment account that we can access if, if, God forbid, something should happen and we have liquidity to to reach to, opposing to put money on our credit cards.
2: Probably the most important things for anybody in, in corporate America is how much should you put in your 401k? What percentage, I assume there's some sort of per- percentage or formula that you would advise your clients to put into their 401
1: Oh, th- there's definitely a, a maximum amount that you're allowed to put in 17 and a half, uh, some thousand dollars. But with that, you want to put in what your budget allows. And at very minimum, if your company is matching your contribution up to a certain percent, 3%, 5%, you want to at least be contributing to get the maximum amount of match from your employer, free money.
0: So I was going to say, in other words, that's free money. Your, your employer is putting in, they're matching what you put in.
1: Yes. So if that program does exist with your employer, you want to, at very minimum, take full advantage of what they're giving to you. Did you teach Sal that? I did.
0: I'm, I'm above and beyond what my employer matches. I, I have a question for you. So should should someone feel the need to steal something? Is that something that should be reported on their taxes?
1: So yeah, the, the IRS definitely wants to know about your, your stealing and, and if you robbed a store, or, you know, and, and you've uh, gained these things and then you sold them, yes, you have to report them as income for the year. I, although I'm not a, a, a tax advisor, you, I would recommend talking to your HMR block uh, advisor about your illicit goods.
0: So the the look of shock on Rob's face, so did you see that that's been going around the past week? The I, It's it's actually listed in the tax code that you, the IRS put it in their ver, verbiage that you need to list anything, the value of anything you have stolen.
1: Yes. <laughs> that's they did.
2: <laughs> holy shit that's the u.s government the better point is how many people actually report it because i would love to see that statistic because i'm sure someone did
1: well it's the same thing with uh, self-reporting assets that are held outside of the country right during that period that you know you come to us you let us know i don't see how they would know about your stolen goods otherwise why aren't you in prison otherwise? But that's a different conversation.
2: So you're telling me Tony Soprano reported all his uh, earnings?
1: Yes, he did. That's why he had to pay so much in taxes. That's why Al
0: Capone was nailed, because he didn't pay taxes. That's right.
2: One of the reasons we talked about bringing you on early on in the beginning of the year is because, you know, Sal does his, what, annual review of the previous year and then the review of going forward. So what do you advise people to do To start off the year and prepare themselves for the upcoming year
1: it's always a great time to at the beginning of the year to start off fresh financially just to look at your finances what you're spending money on what you regret spending on uh, money on the prior year whatever that may be you know you can stop it in the new year and start saving and redirecting those monies to something that is more efficient Um, maybe you haven't uh, been making investments as aggressively as you should have, or maybe you were in investing more aggressively than you should have. And it's a great time of the year just to look at your finances, see where you are, and take an assessment. Uh, you know, just look at everything, see where you're at, make some changes.
0: So if someone takes, they, they sit down and they come up with a spreadsheet, uh, a budgetary spreadsheet, which we, we have, Rob has created. And if you want to hit us up for it, we can provide it for a uh, small fee. I think it's, uh, what, $6.99, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but Rob does actually have the spreadsheet. So they 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 go through their budget, their utilities, their rent, their mortgage, their their car payment, their their gas, their food. After they crunch those numbers per month, what they have left, what is your recommendation as far as, okay, I have X amount left. Should they put it in a bank? Well, they have to have X amount for liquidity, cash on hand in the event of an emergency. Yeah. So that that's two questions. How much should they have an emergency fund, uh, either per month or per year? Um, and and how much should they take and put and keep liquid? Is yeah. like the percentage I know it all relies on 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 how much you make.
1: Yeah, we should have at least six months of compensation of our earnings in um available liquidity. God forbid if something should happen. It's ready at our, at our ready. It doesn't necessarily need to be all into the bank. You can invest them into a conservative uh, brokerage account, uh, bonds, ETFs, or otherwise, but regardless of that, as long as the money is accessible to you, uh, uh, you can turn it around in three to five business days. It's not, uh, not that big of a deal, but you can have it in the bank, although that the bank is not going to, um, offer you a nice rate of return, uh, potentially. So you want to uh, spread your investments out, but definitely have uh, some money for savings, have some money for, you know, the intermediate time frame, the next I would say 2 to 5 years, and then the longer time frame would be the the 5 and the 5 and 10 years and beyond time frames.
0: Going back to the 401k, do you recommend people maxing out for the year
1: if they can? If you can, absolutely. You want to take advantage of the amounts of contributions that you have inside of a 401k, you can contribute more than into a traditional IRA. And based upon your income, depending on the levels of income that you and your spouse have, you might not be able to add into an IRA. So the only thing that you have available to you that you can add to from a pre-tax perspective, being able to write that off on the year that you make the contribution into the plan would be all the, oh, the 401k. That was gibberish to me. All right. So if you make a certain amount of money, if you make a certain oh, amount, hold
2: on, hold on. Are you serious or are you joking?
0: Oh, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> I just want rich to
2: repeat himself. <laughs> You're one of Rich's clients. So the fact you said it was gibberish. Doesn't...
0: <laughs> I got I got to break his chops. He and I have been friends since we were 17.
2: I apologize. Thank you. <laughs> I've always been told to max out your four hundred and one k. And obviously, when you're when I was coming out of college, like no one that I knew, except like one or two guys, actually did it. Um, but when I was able to, I st- started doing it. But then, what percentage of your, I would say, net income, which is your what you get after taxes and four hundred and one k and everything. Do you advise people to put into a savings account?
1: As much as possible. It's not really a a percent, right? Because if you're earning a, a lot of money or a significant amount of money, you your, your percent is going to be different from someone earning less money. So you just want to be able to say, this is what I need on a monthly basis to pay my bills, keep a roof over my head, food on the table, and the lights on in the house. Here are my wants, things that buy bourbon, buy extra technology for me and my family, whatever it may be, a vacation, plan for a vacation. Um, But then other than that, outside of that, I mean, we should be saving as much as we can, as much as humanly possible. Going towards the emergency fund. Once you are done with the emergency fund, then you start segmenting it and saying, all right, now that my emergency fund is done, I have these monies available to me. They're conservative and or accessible to me. Then I can go to things that are, Maybe don't have as high level of liquidity, or they are more aggressive, and I would expect a longer time frame for those investments to come to what I expect them to be.
0: So, if if someone has the um, opportunity to invest in their company's four hundred one k, the age bracket, your recommendations on whether being conservative, aggressive, what am I missing? What else? So, so it's really. Uh, not only age but as well as time frame right the less
1: time that you have to say that i need these monies when am i going to need a withdrawal from this account is should also dictate the amount of risk that you take on right so if you want to start saving and investing for your college account for your child's college account but your child is 16 and they're going to college in uh, 2 years from now that's going to be a conservative investment i'm not willing as a fiduciary or as an advisor willing to take on that amount of risk to go into something aggressive or go into something growth oriented just for a short period of time. But if you're 30 and you come to me and say, I want to save for retirement, that's going to happen in 30 years from now. We're going to go as aggressive as you are comfortable with.
2: And what do you advise to be the age to retire?
1: Whenever you feel that you were ready to, to hang it up and, and you have enough financial wherewithal to be able to support yourself without that level of income to come from working, right? So, I mean, I, I don't ever see myself being able to just shut it down fully every day, all day, the entire year. At some capacity, I'm going to come into the office, do some work. Um, but the other uh, 11 and a half months of the year, I would like to be on the beach.
0: 11 and <laughs> So, what would you say, given given these times and, and the direction that this this world is going in, what would you say would be a comfortable number for uh, retirement? How much should people uh, strive for or shoot for to have it in their re- retirement fund for retirement?
1: And that's where uh, a qualified investor, excuse me, a qualified advisor can help you to say that this is how much you're spending on a monthly basis. This is how much you need to support your household. The needs, right, to keep the lights on, the roof over the head, pay your taxes, so on and so forth. Those are the needs. Then you start backfilling it with the wants. Do you want a, a vacation, one, two, three, or four vacations? Do you want a golf membership? Do you want to go cruising thirty days out of the uh, out of the year? You know, what do, does your retirement look like? And then we can say financially, this is what it's going to cost today. And then you inflate it up depending on where you are. So if you're, you're say, you're forty and you, you, you want to retire at the age of 65, you have to inflate it up another 25 years from now. And then it will be at the age of 65, this is how much money I need. And then on a yearly basis, if this is how much money I need, then this is how much money as a lump sum I will need for that lump sum to produce an income stream on an annual basis.
2: So I have another, another question for you, which you may or may not be able to advise on so i've been doing a lot of reading about um i don't know if you're familiar with her but there's a book called passive income aggressive retirement so it's from rachel shit rachel something not rachel shit rachel richards sorry i had to uh click on my kindle and she talks about really investing into real estate because that's the way to retire and you know the whole world doesn't want to work and that's that's the way of a lot of people are, are going absolutely and while that that's great, you can definitely do it. You can line up ten of ten places. The whole world ain't working now. So what the fuck is the difference? Why are you grabbing my stem? I like your stem, Rob. For the people who aren't in the, the audience here, literally, I'm talking on the mic, and Sal and I are sharing a mic, and he grabs the the base. Have you heard, or you know, do you advise your clients to invest in like a yield street, a fund rise, because that's a simpler investment than trying to go find a rental property or. You know, trying to capitalize on Atlanta, Charlotte, all, the, all these big rental places where if you're living in the Northeast, you ain't going to be able to get there. Or Birmingham, which is supposedly blowing up. But how are you going to manage 10 properties in Birmingham when you're from New York? First of all, if you show up there, you're going to be running out of town. But I guess what, what are you telling your, your clients? Yeah, I
1: mean, there's many ways to, you know, get to retirement and have a lot of money uh, doing it you could do that through a lot of different avenues. And it is always a good thing to have a diversified set of assets to help you achieve that end goal. And if real estate is one of those things, absolutely. But there's a lot of nuances to a lot of the, the private placements, the private investments that we're not going to be able to get into. But you know, every investment that you make has its own pros and cons to it. And you just have to understand those pros. You have to understand those cons. You have to understand the risks and make an educated decision as best as an educated decision that you can make. A lot of the, the clients that I do have that have invested in, in just residential real estate, commercial real estate, have been able to either retire with a lot of money or or retire uh, earlier than what they had expected because they have that stream of income, but they were able to actually go out there and be their own property manager and or hire a professional property manager. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. It just depends on your level of involvement and how much capital you actually want to, you know, put towards that particular area of your financial life.
2: Go ahead. I was going to make a smart-ass comment. (laughs) I
0: I had a conversation with a uh, a friend of mine and we were talking about the future and we're talking about real estate and um, North Carolina, South Carolina, that area came up. So we got talking about buying apartments. How do you manage from, if you live up here and, and ultimately we agreed that, Hey, if that's something that you want to do, buy real estate in the state you want to retire in. So, when you go retire in that state, you have all this property and you can manage locally in essence.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a good idea, but some of the some of the areas that are up and coming that if if you do research, I don't know if I would retire there. Um, Charlotte's definitely one of them, but you have to look at the area and make sure that it's affordable. We could buy, I'm sure a lot of houses in Birmingham. I can't buy a lot of places in Charlotte or in Atlanta because they're blowing up and the prices are much higher. So I guess it's, you know, it's, do you really want to retire into Alabama? I get that, I understand that, but at the same point, I know, I know a gentleman who has, I think, at this point, nineteen properties in Memphis from New York City, but he has a property manager who manages all of them, and he brings in, you know, substantial amount of money every month just by having those properties, and that's what he does full time.
0: So I guess it all comes down to someone's appetite.
1: Exactly, somebody's appetite, somebody's financial wherewithal, and somebody's willingness to put how much of their own time into these various financial uh, ventures. You know, how much traveling do they want to do? How much uh, involvement hands-on do they actually want to be? I mean, we can buy real estate investment trusts that are publicly traded through uh, a normal investment account. It doesn't have to be something uh, private. It doesn't have to be actual physical real estate in your town that you're going to buy and trying to get renters and managing or airbnb it or whatever it may be. I mean, there's uh, multiple ways to to achieve that, that real estate piece of it.
2: So I always fight with this, and and internally, right? Is yeah, I could buy REITs, and that's essentially what Fundrise is. It's just another REIT. Blackstone is too, or Black Capital. I keep I keep I mix them up all all the time. But what I what I always stumble upon is you actually get more from owning the physical asset versus owning a REIT because. Not only do you get rent if if it's a pure rental property, but you also get equity in in the house as you pay down the mortgage. So, how do you balance that? I guess I guess it depends on your financial situation. But what you know for a middle class person, would what, what you advise them, or or do you say it's pretty much your your financial appetite or risk appetite? So
1: it, it'll come back to the financial plus the time. So at the end of the day, if you have you know, a real estate investment trust that you can buy that's publicly traded for a few hundred dollars and still be involved in that type of space and, and the type of boom that would occur there. And you would get, you know, I, I wouldn't say the exact, uh, set of rate of return that you would if you actually owned it and, you know, showed up as a renter, excuse me, as an owner and, and collected the, the checks from the renters. But it's a lot less time, right? You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to repair anything. You don't have to You just sit in front of your computer and watch the thing go up.
2: You're offsetting probably, say, five percentage points for not having to deal with the headache as, as a landlord or as, as a property manager.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I can sign it in an exact... Yeah, uh, whatever the percentage yeah, points play. Yeah. But. but there's definitely a, a, a delta, definitely a, a difference uh, there.
0: Should someone fall into some money, they, they inherit uh, a, a good amount of money. And they're lost. They don't they, they the first thing that they want to do or think they should do is put it in a bank. What benefits what benefits would you say, hey, should I put my money in the bank or should I reach out to Richard Lotito from Dynamic Wealth Consulting uh LLC? What what are the benefits of either putting my money in the bank or giving my money, not giving the money to Rich, but allowing rich to help you manage the funds. Yeah, I got it. along.
1: Yeah. The, um, so it, historically, banks offer a very low rate of return, a very low uh, savings yield, uh, if anything. And uh, inflation has a downward effect on monies at a bank. So if we look at inflation from a 3 to 4% per annum, Uh, inflationary problem, right? So that means that your money is going to be $100 in 1967 is what we were just looking at is worth 13 cents as of last year, 2020. Uh, No, the year before 2020. So it's worth 13 cents of buying power. The same buying power that it had then in 1967 has 13 cents of uh, buying power today. So that's the type of problem that we have inside of a bank account because they're not going to offer the opportunity to stay ahead of inflation. So we need to understand that. But if that's the level of comfortability that you have and you want that insurance of the FDIC, you want that guarantee, you want that stamp, and then you want a a high level of liquidity, then the bank's going to offer you that. Investments in stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, or otherwise are going to go up, go down in value, depending on where we are economically, and they're not going to be as liquid as a bank account and and obviously there's no fdic insurance
2: so you said per annum i know what that is but can you explain it <laughs> uh
1: so per per year every year i apologize that's a fancy term for a
0: fancy guy rob you got any more questions for mr Letito?
2: i could go on all night but no i think we answered all the questions that i think rich answered all the questions that um we wanted to talk about as starting off the year rich would you like to add anything to the conversation what people should
0: know about their money
1: yeah, just understand where your money goes. Don't, don't be in a situation where you're like, I, you know, I make money. I, don't, I have no idea where it goes on a monthly basis. Know where your money goes.
0: So people shouldn't be afraid of, of asking their HR department, you know, or, or whatever institution is um, where they're putting their money, where the money's going.
1: Well, the, the wife or the husband should not be the, the, the sole CFO of the family. Right, so we always want to have lower your voice. Lower your
2: (laughs) voice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want Rob's wife to hear that.
1: We want to have shared CFO responsibilities. Everybody understands what's coming in, what's going out, and what are we saving? What are we socking away? What are we saving? What are we putting away for the the rainy day? And what are we putting away for the future?
2: Do a lot of your clients only have one one person that talks to you, or do most of them come as as a couple. No,
1: I, I, I have learned that you do not talk to, if the couple is married, you do not talk to either one alone. A, a decision is not going to be made because they're always going to say, oh, "I going to have to talk to my my spouse. And that conversation is different from the conversation that I had with them. And it always turns out to be negative from there. So I will only sit with both of the, the, the spouses.
2: Yeah. So that's not how I operate. But that's good advice for all the dads out there. <laughs> So one of Rich's
0: requirements when we when we first start getting into this and he was guiding me through my uh my financial journey here um we would make appointments to sit and chat and and I would say oh hey look my my wife's not going to be able to make it he's he's like okay then we're going to have to reschedule I said what the fuck do you mean he goes I'm not sitting with just you because that's how I operate I'll sit with you and your wife we we can discuss it if both of you have questions, you can ask the questions and then decisions can be made either there while I'm here or, you know, while you and the missus lay in bed and, and discuss the, uh, the meeting.
1: Clients expect transparency from me and I expect transparency in their own relationships. And I, I've seen it. it. It's sometimes not always there. Sometimes get uh, things get revealed during a meeting. But... That's, it, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, we, we work through those issues. We, we get to what we need to get to and, and we get it done. Oh, what, what's that? What,
0: what is that, R- Rob? Rob? What is that?
2: That's your segue.
0: What is the dad lesson for tonight? Put your money to work for you. Let your money work for you. Don't obviously you have to work for your money, but let it also work for you in turn.
1: Rich, teach your kids about, you know, how to. You know, if you pay them a, uh, a chore, you know, for doing chores, you pay them for getting good grades, whatever it may be, but teach them to save money and say that if you're going to get paid something from grandma and grandpa on your birthday, you're taking 20 bucks and putting it away for college. You're putting it away here because at the end of the day, if, if we get paid money, we have to pay the government. We have to pay health insurance. We have to pay union dues, whatever it may be. We don't get all of our money. So there's no reason why our children should get all of their money.
2: So do you employ a parent tax?
1: Yeah, I'm the IRS. <laughs> it's my, my kids. They need to learn that early on because the IRS loves their partnership with me and my family. So I'm going to teach them about this relationship early on from me. So
0: so if if my kids get $20 from grandma and grandpa, I say, You see the $20. I said, I take seven and you keep 13. And then they asked me why I said, that's, that's the the IRS. That's the tax. That's my, that's my share of the $20. Learn that because it'll do good in the future.
1: (laughs) Well, we take that and we save it and we invest it. And I show them that, you know, here is an investment account for you. And this is what we're doing. This is where we're saving it. And this is why we're saving it. And this is what we're going to use it for. So they understand that there's a purpose behind it. That I'm not just taking their money and... and
2: well, it's better than the IRS, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, 13, 11, and 5. So are the 13 and 11 financially savvy? Like, do they have a good understanding of financials? I, I,
1: I would say that they have um, an understanding. Yeah, I would say that they're they're okay. A bit. I, I mean, they're definitely not where I want them to be, but that's just because they... they kids are spendthrifts, thrifts, right? They want to just spend their money. They want to enjoy the now, right? That they want that, that instant gratification. And we have to teach them and guide them that, that instant gratification, albeit as nice as it is, but there are things in the future that are going to come that when you go to reach in your pocket that you <sighs> wish that you would have not spent it on something else priorly, then you're like, oh my God, now I wish I had some money to, to buy this really nice
0: thing. My kids, they, they have their piggy banks where, where they put their money. And anytime they want to go out and buy something, my question, my first question to them, I said is, is it something you want or is it something you need? If it is something that you need, we can have a conversation and maybe mom and dad will pay for it. But if it is something that you want... Make sure it's something that is worth it and that will last. Because once you pay for it, you're deducting money from your piggy bank. Yeah. And then their eyes light up like, oh, that money <laughs> won't be there in my piggy bank anymore. I so, said, no. Yeah. Teaching
1: our kids about uh, money early, as early as they'll understand the concept of it is is the best case scenario for us as, as parents and especially as dads to get them to be Fiscally responsible.
0: Wow. Fiscally. Go upstairs, tell your kids to be fiscally responsible.
2: I got yelled at today because I didn't let my son buy Fortnite levels because it it was stupid. Why are you buying levels when if you're playing the game, you're going to get the levels anyway. Yeah. For as much as you play it. So just buy skins or whatever else they buy. But that leads us into don't let your money go up in smoke. And conveniently, we are trying. We are tasting.
0: Oh, look at that segue. Rob, that was pretty. That was pretty ingenious. But first, I want to say, Rich, thanks for coming on. I appreciate we you guys having me. Love having you here. Um, the the world of knowledge. I mean, we didn't even pick a, 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 an iota of your brain. Uh, Rich is filled with tons of knowledge regarding finances. Um, if you ever have any financial questions or need a, 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 a financial representative, uh, Rich Letito from Dynamic Wealth Consultant. Rich, what's your phone number?
1: Two zero one. Three eight
0: three two two seven seven. Reach out to Rich. You got any questions? Four hundred one K, five twenty nine IRA, um, all those fancy things, investment vehicles. Actually, life insurance too. Rich can help you out with that too.
1: Uh, if you just have some questions and you want to just pick a, a financial guy's brain,
0: give him a shout. But that leads us to our not putting your money up in smoke. Uh, the best part of the episode. Tonight, we are tasting Iron Smoke.
2: Apparently, I got to talk as Sal goes and gets his notes. So we are trying Iron Smoke straight bourbon whiskey, artisan crafted small batch, four grain bourbon with applewood smoked wheat. It is 40% alcohol by volume, which is 80 proof. It has a uh, 95.5. From Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible. I have no fucking idea who Jim Murray is or what the Whiskey Bible is. Do you know who Jim Murray is? Am I supposed to? It's actually, so Iron Smoke comes from Fairport, New York, which I don't even know where Fairport is. I assume in upstate New York.
0: It is near the Finger Lakes because uh, Iron Smoke was founded back in 2011 in the backyard over some whiskey and a loaded smoker when a founder and chief trailblazer musician Tommy Brunette brunette like the hair color brunette or yeah I guess burn yeah brunette like the hair color came up with the concept of combining two great American pastimes great bourbon whiskey making uh, with an added subtle hint of apple wood barbecue smoke goodness do you just taste the apple wood apple wood not my wood uh, alcohol classification straight bourbon whiskey iron smoke distillery you went over this already color amber copper rich copper, copper. rich is actually uh, joining us for this uh tasting so, Enjoying
1: every minute of it
0: so it is a uh, it's aged minimum of two years in american white oak triple charred barrels uh it is a small batch it is made with a four grain mash bill 53 percent corn wheat and rye they didn't mention what the fourth one was but it's in there ask tommy uh, price point forty nine to fifty nine dollars. Nose and aroma. Did I get it right? You
2: bought it. I have no idea what I paid for it. I saw it was a highly rated bourbon, so I was like, "Oh, something we'd like to taste." It was on the clearance shelf, that's why he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> this, by,
0: uh, by the way, this is the bottle he gave me for the uh, uh, biggest uh, weight loss challenge that I crushed him in. How do you like the empty glass? I,
1: it's what do very you get? Nice. I, I get a little oak. Definitely get the oak.
2: Spice? Yeah, I feel like there's a spice. Like an, in and like um not like a harsh spice, but like I can't place it, but it's definitely like some like soft. Yeah. It's a softer spice.
0: Smell the dry glass. Now smell your wet glass. You don't get that charred barrel in the wet glass. No.
2: Did you read yeah, this? You? So yeah. So on the bo- the bottle is pretty cool. Um I like it. On the label, there's uh, a skeleton head smoking a pipe. But what it says is, what you have here in your hands is our legendary four-grain straight bourbon with applewood smoked wheat, carefully handcrafted and aged to perfection, in our small-batch artisan farm distillery in Fairport, New York. We use ingredients from American farms and water from glacier-formed Finger Lakes. The character of iron smoke is distinct, smooth-tasting, with a whisper of sweet apple wood smoke. Whiskey up, bitches. It doesn't say bitches. Your pal, Scully.
0: I get the wet glass. I get the uh I get a hint of the charred oak, but the the dry glass definitely brings out that that oak barrel. Um in the wet glass I get a hint of caramel and some cinnamon. I wish I, I would smell that that applewood smoke that they mentioned, but I, I really don't get the caramel, the hint of caramel. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a uh, it, it's a nice, s- smooth bourbon taste. Um, it doesn't punch in the nose. There's no is a s- slight burn. The flavor me- lingers a little bit. Um, overall, not complex, rather tasty. Um, as always, we taste our bourbons neat. I'm gonna go. You
2: guys are waiting for me. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a six five. It's not bad. Uh, price point, I like it. What did you say? $49.59? I asked you already. Twice. So 49 to 59 I like it. I'll give it a two in price point. I think the taste is really good. I'll give it a two. And I think the aroma is really good as well. I am gonna give it two, two and a half. So what did you say? Six, five. No, six, five then. I got six, five as well. That leaves you, Mr. Latito. What is, uh... What
0: are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I was thinking for the price point that there's a lot of uh, competition in that in in that amount, and uh, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit lower than that just because the, the, the competition for that that price point is, is I think a little fierce. So I'm gonna sure. go six.
0: Oh, right, you gonna go six? Okay, not much lower, but how how are, how are you on the flavor?
1: It is. It is. And, it's, and it's how is it on the schnoz? It, it's it's nice on the nose. And it's nice going down. It's it's smooth. It's not. Uh, there's. I don't get any burn or anything of that nature.
0: There you have it, folks. We got six five, six five, and a six
2: zero oh, for Iron Smoke Tommy Brunette. Join us for another episode of the Rad Dads Podcast next week. I have no idea what we are going to talk about. What we will talk about something involving parenting bourbon and dad lessons so join us next time and thanks rich for joining us on the show
1: thank you for having me guys